Welcome to Purpose Inc., the podcast where we discuss corporate purpose and stakeholder capitalism. I'm your host, Michael Young. It's widely acknowledged that up to 85% of a company's value today is made up of intangible assets, brand, reputation, and trust. And forward-looking CEOs must understand, measure, and preserve these assets assiduously if they are to grow value, enterprise value. My guest today is Chris Coulter, the CEO of Globescan, and he is ideally situated to talk with us about this topic. In case you're unaware, Globescan is a leading advisory and strategy firm that helps organizations build and improve stakeholder engagement across customers, investors, regulators, NGOs, community suppliers, and employees, all stakeholders. Chris is a sought-after speaker, facilitator. He's an author. Uh, He regularly briefs uh, client organizations on trends about business and society. Chris has worked in this space for more than 20 years and is a pioneering thinker on the connection between reputation, brand, and stakeholder engagement. And today, Chris and I talk about his work around organizational leadership. He wrote a book on that topic. We talk about the essential attributes of high-impact corporate sustainability leadership, the intergenerational transition that's going on now with Generation Z and why that matters so much. Uh, We talk about UNSDGs and the work uh, that his firm does around that with organizations. Chris highlights some of the research that Globescan is conducting across the world and uh, some of their tracking studies. Uh, We do get into sustainability commitments within organizations, uh, especially around COVID. Um, So it's a great conversation. Chris has been extremely generous with his time and insights, and I'm grateful that he came on the podcast. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Chris Coulter, the CEO of Globescan. Chris, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. My pleasure, Michael. Great to be here. Thank you. So you, Globescan, have been focused on sustainability, corporate purpose, responsible investing for 20 years. Would you give us just a quick brief summary of your background and the organizational journey and what you do and who you are? For sure. Thanks, Michael. <laughs> yes, we've been around for actually almost 30 or 32 or 33 years now. Um, and originally very much focused on the sustainable development agenda, but but over the years evolved into um a greater focus on things beyond sustainability, which included issues management, reputation, and then um, brand and and now purpose, as you noted. And and we're um, an insights and strategy firm, so we're focused on evidence-led strategy for our clients, which mostly are global businesses. Um, but we also do work with a number of international NGOs and multilateral organizations to kind of round it out a little bit. And, and our, our purpose is to help our clients build trusted leadership to create a better future. And the underpinning of that is um, sustainable development is, is really the only long-term strategy for successful organizations. Yeah. And 
you mentioned a big focus of your work is on organizational leadership. You wrote a book about that. So kind of what walk us through your analysis of leadership and why that is the most important and high impact aspect of corporate sustainability. Yeah, I think we're, because a lot of our work is um, predicated upon understanding societal trends and public opinion and stakeholder expectations. It, it, it's It's been in our, I guess, worldview that, that organizations um, are really only able to be successful if they have a social license to operate and if they are able to um, engage and mobilize and work with stakeholders, you know, from their employees to suppliers to communities to civil society to government and, and investors um, and beyond. And I think that trajectory of understanding um, that the real value of business and success of business is, is predicated much more on a stakeholder-centric worldview than a shareholder primacy worldview. I mean, this has been an ongoing conversation for for decades now, but we've seen how dramatically it's shifted over the last couple of years where the the value of operating from a stakeholder-centric view is, um, is, is much clearer and it's almost irresistible as the business method or business model going forward compared to a short-term um, shareholders only, let alone first, uh, strategy. And, and I think that the, the notion of, of intangible value um, is become much more tangible for, for lots of business people and, and feeling it out. And you see the, a new generation of chief executives that are coming up. We see it in how investors, mainstream and more ESG-oriented, are increasingly looking at these intangibles as, as predictors of, of true long-term value creation. And, and we see, I think, we see it amplified in a crisis that we're going through now of how society and other stakeholders are expecting organizations to look beyond their, their narrow self-interest. I mean, even saying that sounds, uh, you know, sounds so commonsensical. It's, it's ridiculous that there wasn't that sort of debate or it wasn't, uh, there was actually a debate at all that that was the proper way. And I think we went through decades of understanding business being much more societal in orientation to that moment 50 years ago when Milton Friedman and I guess a bunch of the Chicago School economists pointed to pointed out, wait a minute, maybe it's all about shareholders and, and that magic of, of the market will lead everything in the, in the proper way. And it feels like we've gone through that cycle finally and we're kicking back to um, a, a more holistic approach to business's role. So a deeper social contract. And I think you mentioned the role or the impact that COVID is having on perceptions of corporate conduct and this this balance between corporate financial goals and societal impact and health, worker health safety. So how do you see that playing out? I, I, I think one of the things I'm hearing and, and talking about is maybe an idea that there's not going to be a going back to the way it was. Maybe we should build it better. What do you think about, how do you think about that? Yeah, I, I think we're, um, 
I mean, I think first of all, no, no one knows. So that that's, that's makes it very interesting terrain. Um, but we do know that there have been a, a number of these, I think, uh, you know, very high level, serious conversations, discussions that have been happening, happening, um, at, a, at an increased fever over the last decade. So, so we know that there is, there is a real different types of options on the table in front of us. I think as we're going, you know, going through this health crisis and then um, dealing with the deep economic crisis as well as a climate crisis and I think an exacerbated inequality crisis, everything is on the table in an, in an interesting way, very challenging way, a different in a different way. Um, and I think there are, I don't know if we want to call them battles, but there there are, I think, these worldviews will need to be reconciled in some capacity. And I think the intersection of business, politics, and economics is going to have um, lots of fireworks in the coming <laughs> the coming months as we have this conversation. The, the build back better phenomenon that's happening now of how do we... Um, use make the best use of the 10 trillion dollars that have been spent so far by the public sector and and that number will grow and and use it in ways that have multiple benefits beyond just um you know short-term transactional support for the economy it is one of those important conversations that are that are taking place right now and, and i don't think that um we're, we're doing a lot. I think it's understandable in the midst of the crisis of how we have to respond very quickly. But but now I think is the thoughtful moment for the next six months where governments and business and civil society should be working together to understand how do we make the most use of any additional stimulus and what are the implications going forward. I think the transition on the on the energy conversation is foremost there, but I think it, it it transcends to all different types of, of sectors as well. And, and it's a big opportunity to give ourselves a, an ability to, to build something different and new that will, will um, uh, is, is that um, refinement that's been required for, for many decades. And, and we have a, a, a chance to do that. Yeah, you mentioned Milton Friedman, and <clears throat> I always think of the neoliberal turn in the early 70s around and, and, you know, so maybe a somewhat convoluted but complicated question. Do you think that we're going to see a return to a different balance between capital, labor, and state? And do you think that we could ever go back there? I, I, I always think of Margaret Thatcher. There is no alternative, right? That we, there's, we just can only go with shareholder primacy, rational actor, you know, market theory. Is this, is this going to, is it going to change? Is it going to evolve? What's your, what's your take? And I'm not asking you to categorically decide. I'm just, what, well, how do you think about that? <laughs> this, is, this is our decision, Michael. We'll, we'll this is our it. decision. We can make it here today. Let's do it. Well, I, I, I think, yeah, I think these are, that we're at a, the, what this crisis has done in many ways is it's accelerated decision-making and made, made the um, visibility of the weaknesses of our system much more apparent. So we understand that, inequalities in our society aren't just things that are, um, you know, inconveniences or challenges, they're, they're bloody dangerous. And, and they, and the, and the danger is, um, 
is something that people see more clearly and are much less tolerant of. So I think that there is a moment where we can have a, a truer, it's hard to say a true, but a truer um, multi-stakeholder conversation between the likes of, of business, labor, um, the public sector and, and civil society to, to try and create something much more um, holistic, much more uh, dignified and, and much more sustainable in all, in all the, the implications of that, of that um, word. And, and I think that the conversations have, have already begun well before this crisis. I mean, we, we, we have had monumental shifts in in um, how sh investors mainstream and more peripheral have taken to the ESG um, framework to try and understand where true value lies in the private sector and, and that I think by early indications are that's 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 sort of accelerated through this crisis and on the backside it's probably true too we we see how the the potency of science and scientists and academia before the crisis, especially on environmental issues, ha has truly changed, I think, the discourse of society and, and instigated a whole wave of, of new types of activism from NGOs like Extinction Rebellion, but also pushed other um, more pragmatic um, NGOs like WWF also to look hard at what's really required and what are the challenges facing the planet and our survival as a species and, and act accordingly. And, and, and that, that I think through this, this health crisis where we see the, how valuable expertise is and scientific perspectives and uh, public health officials playing a role in this, I mean, that, that I think will be magnified and um, will continue into things like climate and I think even into things like inequality when we have better data around it. So, so all of these dynamics are, are the foundational parts of, I think, the shift for how business is positioning itself. The, the public sector and consumers uh, or citizens, I think, have been some of the weakest links in, in reshaping business and giving the push-pull factors for, for business. Um, the public sector now, of course, is in a, in a, in a place where it's needing to spend dramatically. Um, but it, it will. This will be a relatively short-term phenomenon, and so uh, post the the crisis, there'll be uh, even more pressure on business to 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 fund investments and and to drive forward some of the ongoing transformations that are required. So there'll be a shift that way. Um, and then the consumers, I think that through this moment, there, there's always been a lag and huge amounts of intentionality that we found in our work of people understanding that things can't stay the same, that there's real important needs to change based on um, economic, societal, and, and environmental factors, but being very stuck and unable to do it. And, and I think if anything, this crisis has shown and given some agency to people that, wow, we as a society can change very dramatically, not under ideal circumstances, but, but very dramatically. And, and some of the habits and even that learning that things can change quite significantly will take us through into another set of behavior changes and, and expectations for the kind of brands that we frequent and what we want our political officials to do and, and NGOs we support, et cetera. So I think, I think all of the dynamics that existed before the crisis have been um, ratcheted up almost like you know, a watch with all the different levers. And those parts of the watch have been um, accelerated. And, and so the spinning towards 
the most successful approach for business going forward um, is even more um, likely that it has to be sustainable business, purposeful business. Otherwise, we don't have the license and we don't have the constituencies to drive forward. And and that thinking of sustainability um, makes us more resilient and and uh, future fit for the challenges that we're we're going to face. Chris, I wanted to jump to Gen Z and intergenerational change and transformation and how that can and should be accelerating uh, change here. How do you think about that? I think um, I think it's a very exciting dynamic and one of those reinforcers of, of and, and indicators of where business needs to go, given uh, again the size and the agency of that of, of that generation. On the you know on the millennials, there, we, we um, had done lots of um, consumer research and, and looking at different demographics, and, and and we weren't as convinced that the millennial generation was as impactful as some of the conversations um, around companies um, suggested it were. I think millennials were a, a large group and there were some qualitative difference around perspectives and how they viewed business and, and things like sustainability. But it was a very big group, as we know, and also a, quite a diverse group. And so while on one hand, you did have a, a super cluster of millennials that fit all of the characteristics or stereotypes of the millennials, um, and those are the ones that I think found themselves mostly in the corporate sector, which is why I think in companies, they would say our millennials are very demanding and expecting. But there was also another group of, of millennials that were um, pretty happy to sit in their parents' basement playing Xbox, you know, and, and kind of to, tune out and drop out. Gen, um, Gen Z is different. And, and the early indications is some research we did last year with, with a, a need agency at a Brooklyn called BBMG um, did show that they're uh, much more demanding and higher expectations for, for companies. And, and um, in, in trying to uh, trying to engage them will take even more, I think, consistency and passion from brands and companies and 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 to demonstrate um that they're really on the side of of the long-termism which is in in this generation's interest we're, we're about to do a global study on this to try and confirm that this is this is truly um a, across the world and our expectation is that the the that their demands for for business and addressing things such as inequality will be even higher and, and that was one of the interesting differentiations between Gen Z and millennials even, is that the inequality conversation was much more relevant for them, both economic and social. And, and I think all the indicators are in society that that inequality has um, has exploded to the top of the of the leader chart from an issues perspective. And we're we're curious to see where this generation will take it. Mm. And maybe talk a little bit about the work that Globescan does with organizations and <clears throat> how do you how do you help organizations get this right? Yeah, well, we're, we've we've always um, believed that an evidence led approach was the most um, powerful way to try and understand positioning, strategy development, goals. Um, 
and 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 how you ultimately build trust and deepen relationships and and to under and to do that you need to listen listen deeply understand the context how things are shifting and then to respond based on on best practice and and where expectations are leading leading you and and that's been the the approach we've taken and and sometimes that means playing a role on um, providing insight into where stakeholders are are viewing you and seeing how you're doing and using frameworks like like reputation that can be quite valuable on on what are what are driving things like trust or propensity to be a partner and that speaks especially to the corporate affairs or, or corporate communications teams. We're, we do lots of work then on how do you um, understand the sustainability agenda and those expectations from those stakeholders and, and what is viewed as, as um, authentic and ambitious leadership and how do you create those sort of um, structures and infrastructures inside organizations that allow you to be recognized as a leader and to try, drive impact. And, and then there's also been work around, you know, what do we stand for? What's our purpose? What's our positioning as, a, as, a, as an organization corporation? I think what's been interesting in the last couple of years, we've seen it's very hard to do any of those different aspects on their own, they they need to be fully integrated, and 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 that that internal collaboration and coordination across a, an enterprise, where you have four, five, sometimes six functions working together to truly align not just materiality and material issues of sustainability, but issues management and an enterprise risk management framework, and and not just our you know high level positioning of what's our what's our tagline or um, campaign for the company, but what is the deeper um, North Star and what's our purpose? And then how do we operationalize that purpose through sustainability? So I think that's been a a really interesting um, part of the evolution of where companies are going and coming from and their need to integrate internally in order to respond to these expectations that have become, uh, I think, pretty formidable in, in defining the course of their futures. Mm, yeah, deep purpose rather than tagline shallow purpose. Hugely important. Uh, absolutely. And, and there are and and there are many companies, you know, we just did a, a, a study with with Oxford University on we call it the corporate affairs survey, but but surveying corporate affairs and corporate communications professionals across the world. And, and there there's you know between 80 and 90 percent in any any region of the of the respondents we surveyed say that their company has a purpose but i i think if we step back and and look i mean there there are very few um companies that are truly purposeful and and so there there are lots of organizations that do develop a purpose and they kind of have a bit of a tick boxing exercise but there are very few that have embedded it and operationalized it through throughout the organization which takes a hell of a lot of work. It's not something you do overnight, but there, there is this, uh, I think, separation between those that dream, deeply get it and are living it and putting it into strategy and those that are, you know, kind of get it and they see the utility of it and it's, it's sort of a, a bit of a shiny object, but it hasn't been um, built on a, on a deep foundation, which doesn't make them feel purposeful according to their stakeholders. Yeah. <clears throat> <clears throat> Excuse me. And, you know, interestingly, I think you said earlier that, you know, and I've, I've heard this from other, other guests, is that investors and, and private capital uh, 
or especially now looking through the ESG lens to manage to manage risk to allocate capital based on corporate priorities and and maybe the last question is do you see all of this getting stronger post covid do you think there'll be any budgetary pressure to sort of you know shelve some of these initiatives or do you think we're at that jumping off point where there's kind of no going back I think we're um I th- I think we're in a place where there's no going back and and I say that because the the last you know the, the last great recession a decade ago plus you know 2008 2009 we we looked very carefully um at how sustainability functions and companies that were committing to a, a broader purpose how they managed through the, the that downturn and his, you know, before that previous recessions, there was a real decimation of the function and commitment and resources and budgets. But the, you know, a decade ago, it, it was it it withstood. There there were certainly some places where there were declines of headcount, and but there there was, I think more or less a consistency and a commitment through that process. And, and in some cases, it even got stronger. I mean, it's certainly in the financial sector. We saw um, the notion of becoming purposeful and more committed to society grew quite significantly on the back of the, the, that financial crisis, understandably. I think in, in our, we're just doing a survey right now of sustainability teams across the world, and the, the preliminary results are that there, there is going to be some you know, financial pressures on, on, on a, across the board in many companies, but the commitments and the value of sustainability as a function for the company going forward is, is increasing and, and seem to be increasing. And, and I think the principles of sustainability being you know, long-term, systemic in nature, understanding interconnections, uh, bringing in multi-stakeholder voices, being precautionary, being science-driven. I mean, all of these facets are, are real assets for an organization to make the right decisions, to move at the right pace and the right scale. And, and the, the value of that function now can be, I think, uh, integrated and, uh, and actually amplified across, across strategic planning in, in most organizations that get it. Yeah, and to the last recession, there wasn't quite the commitment to ESG portfolios then as there is there are now. Absolutely, you're right. There, there, and I think the, 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 it feels like, and it'd be interesting to see if someone could could diagnose this, but it feels like the the ESG became mainstream 18 months ago to 24 months ago i think the you know the the second last i think larry fink's seventh yeah. letter was yeah. the was the the true turning point and and as an indicator but and there's lots of other work going around in other mainstream investors and passat passive and um, active asset managers doing this. So, so I think we, we've come to that. And, and as we were talking before, I think the evidence suggests so far that those companies that have been strong on ESG are weathering the, the current storm better. And if we're looking at a long-term play, this is a, a fantastic lens uh, for investing vehicles. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, sounds like there are a couple of studies out that are coming out. We'll want to link to those in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Um, but Chris, I very much appreciate you coming on the podcast. Unfortunately, we're going to have to leave it there. My pleasure, Mike. Thanks so much for, for having me. You bet. 
The Purposing Podcast is a production of Actual Agency, helping innovators communicate in a changing world. More at www.actual.agency.